Crossings Audio Archive, The Book of Esther, Winter 2017, Part 10. I, I love the train track story. I, I love that, uh, I don't love that who was running the feeding program ended, but I love the fact that there are people in this church that jumped up and uh, halfway around the world has seen fit to see these kids still be fed. And uh, that's coming from you, Crossings Church. Like, there's not some organization, and we're not writing a check to some big group. You guys are actually doing that, direct pipeline. Uh, that's a good story. Um, I, I hate when people talk about how many numbers were there at a church. I don't care about your numbers as much as I care about your story. Your story is far more interesting than a number. Uh, stories are cool. I have a story. I uh, came in here Wednesday morning during school time to meet with a lady named Amy. She's the choir director. And my mission was to ask about when we can set up Christmas lights and run some cables and do some things like that. And when I walked in, the Desert Edge Choir was here singing. They were all on this stage on risers, and just about 30 of them. And they were singing this classical, like, Handle Messiah-type Christmas music, very Christ-centered, and they were good. I was like, wow, wow. I was just really kind of blown away. Um, so I listened to it, and I interrupt the teacher. Hi, I'm Trev. I'm the pastor that meets here. You guys sound amazing. Uh, would you be willing to come here and sing for our church that meets right here on this very stage in this room? And she said, well, hold on, hold on, you got to listen to one more song. So she played yet even a better song and had the kids sing it. And while they sing this song, guys, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, I felt God's presence in this room like I've never felt before. And, and I know that's an indictment on us. <laughs> really? You have church here. <laughs> yeah, I did. And, and. It was everything I could do to keep from putting my head in the carpet and weeping. I had to just hold it together. I kept telling myself, hold it together, hold it together. Because all these kids are looking at me. I'm like the old man, you know. So um, I held it together, barely. And uh, Amy, wonderful, wonderful lady. I, I love this lady. I just met her and she's just so precious. She asked the kids, would you guys come and sing uh, on the 17th at Crossings here? Every kid raised their hand. And they were just awesome bunch of kids. I, I tell you what, what God's doing here at Desert Edge is cool. It is cool. Um, a, a big maintenance, not maintenance guy, Eddie. Eddie's the head of that thing. Yeah, a security guy. A real nice guy uh, came down and standing next to me. I looked to my side. Wow, big guy. And he had security on his shirt. I said, wow, you must be the school bouncer. He goes, huh. Yeah, I used to be a bouncer in Milwaukee. Real nice guy, and he just, he breaks into this. We, I just met the man, and we had no previous conversation. He says, God's doing stuff here at this school. God's doing stuff. Ugh. I, uh, I love this school, and uh, I, I'm so excited about the people that work here and the, and the kids that attend here. Uh, so here's the deal. They're coming on the 17th. And I said, we're going to have Krispy Kreme donuts for you guys at 10 o'clock <laughs> out there. And they're wearing their ugly sweaters. And they're having their concert here Wednesday, Thursday night. So if you want to catch them in advance, you can come and, and see them in concert. But they're going to be here the 17th. Here's my deal. 
I would be so embarrassed if I brought these awesome, this awesome teacher and these awesome kids out here and you weren't here. <laughs> I would be embarrassed. So I, not only do I want you to be here the 17th, I want you to bring a friend. I want you to put your best smile on and just show the hospitality that Jesus would show these kids and this teacher. Because uh, uh, that's exactly what he would do. So be here. Now, let me tell you, first service is about your size now. Uh, first service is sneaking up on you. They're about to become the dominant service at Crossings Church. Um, and I told them, come to the second that week. Just you come to that service because they're coming to only 1030. So be here that week. Be praying that God would do something cool. I, I love cool stories. I love cool stories. And we're honored to be on a campus like this. We are. And uh, we uh, need to pray that God would help us be a blessing to this place. So keep praying for DE, right? How many Desert Edge grads we have here? All right, a few. Keep praying for it. Um, well, anyway, I, I love, I love, I love, I love a good story. And Esther's been one of those. Uh, you know, you, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, evil King Xerxes, the same king that starred in the movie 300, um, is fired one queen because she won't be paraded out in public and, and goes to war and four years later in chapter two comes back and holds a beauty contest and this orphaned girl named Esther uh, becomes wins this beauty pageant in the kingdom and becomes the new queen though her identities revealed and there is an evil guy that crops up that wants to kill a man named Mordecai, which happens to be that man that raised this orphan. And he, he's so hateful, he not only wants to destroy Mordecai, his hate is so big, he wants to destroy every Jew in the kingdom. And he has a plan, he's plotted for this. Um, he gets the king to sign off on this plan on the 13th day of Adar, that's their 12th month. And it's happening. The The Wheels are on the train, so to speak. It, this is going down. And Mordecai goes to Esther and says, cash in your chips. you got to talk to the king for us. And she says, if I do, I could die. And he says, maybe you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And she says, if I die, I die. And she lays it all out there bravely and approaches the king. Meanwhile, Mordecai thinking he's going to go. I mean, Haman thinking, the evil Haman thinking he's going to go and do in Mordecai. Um, shows up and the king realizes he didn't honor this guy that helped him out, which happened to be Mordecai earlier in the story. And he says, what would you do for the man that I would honor? He says, well, I would put him in a robe and your crown and your horse and parade him through the streets saying, this is what the king does for the man he desires to honor. He says, do that for Mordecai, the guy he was just there to ask to kill. Ooh, that's a bad turn of events for him. Comes back, the pole he set up to impale his enemy on. Haman set up a pole to kill Mordecai on. Turns out to be the pole that Haman hangs on because it's exposed that he started the plot to kill all the Jews, which happens to be the nationality of who? His favorite queen. So uh, the story is amazing. God saves the Jewish people. Uh, Mordecai and Esther continue to live bravely. And chapter 10 is three verses long. That's all it is, three verses. And it speaks of something important. It speaks of your story. Like, Mordecai ends up with the coolest of stories. 
But it didn't just happen in a vacuum. It didn't just happen by luck. There's some things that went on to giving Mordecai an awesome story. And today, before we read these three verses, I want to challenge you, what's your story looking like? How's your story looking? What I mean by your story, if I were to talk about where your life has been, where is it now, where is it going? I like to ask myself this, and I ask myself this frequently. When I die, what do I want people to say around my coffin? Have you ever asked yourself that? When When you're dead and gone, how do you want people to talk about you? How's your story coming? And we're going to talk about how to have a good one. So, Esther chapter 10, verse 1. King Xerxes imposed tribute throughout the empire to its distant shores. And all his acts of power and might, together with a full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai, the Jew, was second in rank to the king Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews, and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews, because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Just want to cover a few things that we see in Mordecai's life and in these verses that speak to how to have a good story. One thing that is missing in the book of Esther, and you guys may remember this, uh, is the name of God. It's nowhere in the book of Esther from all ten chapters he's never mentioned. It's not heavy on theology at all. But yet, all the way through the book of Esther, we see the hand of God, what people call the providence of God at work. God is setting things up. He's setting the table. He's making things happen uh, in their life. Though God's name isn't prominent. He's definitely at work. And I just want to encourage you, the the first thing to writing a good story is make sure that God's in your story. Make sure that faith is a factor, that that God's been introduced to your story, that he's uh, writing it, that that you've asked him to be a part. Now, the encouraging thing to me is because God's name isn't prominent, how many of you have ever felt like there were times in your life where you ask, where is God? Anybody ever do that? Absolutely. I, I think it's pretty easy for us to go through seasons like that where we ask the question, God, where are you in this situation? But know this, that though God's name wasn't mentioned in the book of Esther, he's all over the book. He's all over the pages. And sometimes in the middle of us asking that question, where is God? Know this, that he's in it. He's there. How many have ever heard the saying, God's timing's not our timing? Isn't that the truth? How many have ever prayed this prayer, hurry up, God? You know, any time now. Um, One of the things that happens to us, it will take an average reader about 30 minutes to read the entire book of Esther, cover to cover. Ten chapters take about 30 minutes. Though the accounts of this book took 12 years to unfold. Ten to 12 years it took for this story to unfold. In fact, between chapter 1 and 2, you guys may remember this, some of you, uh, there is four-year span between chapter 1 and 2 where Xerxes goes to war, where the famous 
uh, Battle of Thermopylae and uh, battling the Greeks and the Spartans take place where he ultimately loses four years. And history records that after this four years, he came back defeated, depressed, and he threw himself into drinking and into his harems. And that's when he started looking for a new queen, Esther. That's four years. And it doesn't seem so glamorous when you throw that in the mix. It's not this like really smooth, easy thing. Let me tell you something. When we invite God to be part of your story, it's not always quick and it's not always obvious. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Don't hyperventilate. Just settle in and say, I am trusting God is going to work in my story. Everybody get that point? Okay, let's start over again. Hi, I'm Trev. Good morning. Uh, the Bible says this in Psalms 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. To just apply this really quickly, and unless you invite God into your story, you labor in vain. Everything you're trying to write, everything you're trying to save, everything you're trying to build, you labor in vain, the Bible says. That's why it's essential. If you're going to write a good story, the first step is say, God, would you be the writer of my tale? Would you be the center part of my story? But I want us to look at verse 3 really closely in chapter 10. Let's read that again. It says in verse 3, Esther chapter 10, it says, Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes. That's a pretty high position. Preeminent among the Jews and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because, here are two things I really want to talk about today. Because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of the Jews. There's some elements. There's an element in Mordecai's life that I just love. Mordecai, early on in chapter 2, we realize that he has a cousin that is orphaned. Her name's Hadassah, also called Esther. Mom and dad are dead, too young to care for herself. We don't know how young. But this guy named Mordecai stepped up in Esther's life and became dad, raised her, cared for, became a heroic role in her life. He is faithful. Faithful to the family, faithful to his fellow Jews, faithful to a king. When he unfoiled the plot, the guy was faithful.